Well, here we go. It's been a while, but we're jumping in. It's Thursday. Thursday theology on tap. Local craft teaching ready about um, six months later. Sometimes when you are, <laughs> we'll just be a little late. <laughs> I should have completely changed the name of this. Not from ready when you are, as in the listener, but ready when, when we, we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> So we've been trying to come up, we've been asked by a lot of people like, hey, when are you going to bring back Theology on Tap? We're real stoked about it. And I'm trying to get better at it. But some of the problem is, is sometimes I don't have anything to say. And I talk a lot on Sundays and I don't have things that like bones to pick. <laughs> and uh, I Much just, to many people's yeah, concept, yeah. he does, isn't just going around looking for a fight. Yeah, well, I am in some regards, but to sit in a room and fight with myself. <laughs> if I could just walk around and record all the arguments and discussions I get in somewhere else, now that's a completely, that could be a new idea for podcasts. <laughs> we bring the fight to you. But hey, so I thought let's, let's do this. When people were asking about it, we started Genesis and we're teaching a lot of stuff on Sundays, things that we can't get to. And, uh, and so today's, uh, podcast, uh, we've entitled evolution, COVID and the science quotation marks, quotation the on science. the science. And today we have a guest with us, Miss Becca Ogletree. And I've, uh, I have the impression that you two know each other <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Tyler, do we you do. know? Do this you is know? this is actually my wife. She's way more, yeah. way more uh, qualified to talk on science than me. Is she's a nurse? Way more qualified to talk about science than both of oh, us. Both and of so us. we're sitting here like Becca was here. She's actually leading worship at the Buellton campus this Sunday, and so she was on on site. And we we're like, we're going to do this podcast. And Becca is a nurse she currently works in an emergency room somewhere i won't tell you because you guys will be like trying to get hurt just so you can go see <laughs> becca so <laughs> i often get texts like is your wife working right now i'm yeah. like is uh, this a good or a bad yeah. thing like what's wrong or do you just want to talk to her i don't know which <laughs> one it is so uh becca thanks for uh bex thanks for uh joining us for theology on tap a little bit nervous. I don't know how this thing goes, but I'm here. We don't too. know how it goes either. either. So we're we're trying uh, we're trying this out. So uh, we had sermon prep today. We thought that's a good way to go, kind of gear up and kind of stir the conversation. We've had lots of conversation as a staff, uh, as friends. Uh, the three of us have talked a lot about this over the past two years because you guys, uh, Tyler, you came on staff uh, with us uh, during. Well, I guess right at the end of COVID, like, well, no, COVID just ended last week, according to the president on 60 Minutes. <laughs> I think we, we got an email about how it's officially it's over. September 17th. September 17th, yeah. COVID's you, gone. You got an email about it? At her work. There is yeah. there's an email that went out. All right, so um, when I say the pandemic is over, I think, and, and 2020, like, sticks in my mind, like, and that happened to me like at VBS, <laughs> like I'm praying over VBS this year and it's like my, I'm like stuck. I'm like redoing that year. And so I'm like, God just bless VBS 2020. And everyone was like, ha, yeah. <laughs> that was two years ago. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still don't know what year it is. I like, yeah, like a 2020, it's just one of those things that sticks out in all of us. And so, um, I wanted to talk about, I begin to think about the church uh, and not the church, not the church of Jesus that he is sanctifying, set apart, and saving to his glorious grace. Uh, the church, as in what we uh, politically call the evangelical church, popular American church, I started thinking about how the church responded to COVID. And I think there's a direct link with how they responded to COVID and how they have dealt with the arguments uh, for and against evolution over the years. And so uh, I thought we could have a conversation about that. And I'll kind of, since I'm the one who kind of came up with the title of it, kind of 
like lay down some some thoughts but um we um we at crossroads like responded quite different than most other churches especially in our state and in our region specifically i think at one time we were the only church with uh in two cities in Buellton and in and if you just say the city like let's say in all of the valley that was open and indoors at um for probably months like yeah it was a good period of time in which and i I think that's the difference when we talk about um how you respond to something even that it's like we think the initial response and as we get into this topic of science covid um what the church how they've responded there's an initial response and that's what i've loved about how even crossroads as much as maybe it's been branded as something that was like polar opposite how the initial response was was hey we're going to stop use god-given wisdom and then do research and figure out what actually is what seems to be truth and what seems to be uh this trigger word of propaganda Um, and so even as crossroads we closed doors for a shorter yeah period yeah. of time and i was and at first i was so set we're not going to and then we closed because uh restaurants closed and things like that and i didn't like the first initial i was skeptical because it was like large gatherings and so we were convinced that if you were part of a large gather, gathering you were more likely to catch covid that is still true. <laughs> yes. Uh, those, the, those things if are true in a with large anything. gathering you are most likely more it's, likely to catch somebody it's probability. than somebody who's standing yes. by themselves. It is pure <laughs> probability. Like, You're just increasing the odds. Um, but uh, what has become increasingly uh, evident is it didn't matter. You're just prolonging the process. And then, like, what are the preventative measures? What are the treatments for? And all those things are, um, as we understand science, as we make hypotheses, and as we... Uh, look at data, we adjust our conclusions based on the evidence that we find. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so for us shutting down for the period of time we did was, um, you know, you could go stand in line at Costco, but you couldn't come to church. And for me, that first reaction was like, no, that, that can't be so we're not, we're not going to do that. And then it was like, no, you can't go anywhere. And two weeks to slow the spread and just everyone do your part. And it was like, Okay, let's see where this goes. And then it was a couple weeks in um, to streaming and being really nobody here to where things begin. Some people begin to, uh, you know, even show up because they knew we were streaming at a particular time where a lot of other churches used it as a way to have Sundays off, which I thought was preposterous. And they would pre pre record their services. And I just couldn't preach that way. Like, um, even like this, even this method of podcasting, I think that's what's so difficult for me because I'm I, like, I, I so am having, I, I want to talk to someone who's in front of me. So I want to have a conversation. I want to have imaginary conversation. I want to like, even in, in my sermon preps, it's hard to like, okay, who am I talking to? And sometimes there'll be an adjustment in things I say or an illustration or a way in which I say it um, based on first service, second service, knowing people from lawn poker watching, like there's just like this this uh, nuance because every conversation you have with real human beings is nuanced, and so um, I, for me, preaching to an empty room was uh, was wild and difficult, and then people started coming in, which I was just so thankful for, and then I call them the hard headed high riskers. They were coming in, and it was like, well, I can't tell these people. Like, I don't want to be, we talk about not being a guru, but a guide. Like, I am either guru and tell them what they can and cannot do. Like, that just seems so preposterous and um, anti-biblical theology, right? Like, if God gives us free will and he allows us to be sovereign over our own choices, then how can we manipulate and, and try to do something that God doesn't do? Like, no matter what the risks are, no matter what the temptations are, no matter what the consequences are, God puts us in positions to make wise decisions, and let's give sound counsel and let's give guidance, but let's let people make their own decisions. And we had people do that. There were people who 
steel watch online or or maybe they're in a in a, you know immunocompromised and things like that and then fear played into it and things like that and so yes initially it was that and then as things began to change and and uh we realized that whoa th- this seems like this is an overreaction this is um this is not we should be open like we should allow not even just like letting people the doors are unlocked and people should come in but there were other churches that you know no matter what and i don't want to like put it in a box or an isolated kind of scenario or thought process because now we now we look back and like there are all these questions of did did lockdowns work did this like um because i think like emotionally i go back through it like okay what was the cycles what was the deal and i think we were closed officially just eight weeks when some churches were closed an entire year and um and ours was mine was my thoughts on things were a little different it wasn't necessarily whatever the data was out it was like the things that people wanted us to do which was put up signs put up hand sanitizers which is fine and 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 mask and like but the big thing was like um if you have a sniffle cough or sneeze or you have been human in the last six weeks do not come if you are sick do not come to church and for me like i can't find anywhere in the bible where jesus um, refused sick people and then the james the half brother of jesus says um if there's any sick among you call for the elders of the church pray the prayer of prayer of faith and so i was afraid that if if we set that precedent during covid we were going to continue that out and go hey if you're sick stay home and then literally what james says if there's any sick among you there will never be any sick among you because we've told them all if you're sick stay, stay. home and so like for me that was like well, all right well we ought to be making decisions based not on the science or um some type of secular worldview we should be basing this off biblical theology so there's that aspect of but then like there becomes this like fear of okay well but we should base our uh, our faith and practice on biblical theology but uh, we don't want to be seen as people who are anti-science right because there's this new idea that faith and science don't go together. They're, they're, um, uh, they're, they're opposed to one another. And so um, that idea started with the churches. So this idea of like, we don't want to be seen like that. We don't want to be seen as anti-science. We don't want to be seen as ignorant or still we like we're we are in faith and i agree with that faith um people of faith are uh, are intelligent but the question is like what gets kind of subtly propagated is you have to continually adopt a secular naturalistic worldview to be seen as intelligent and no matter what the evidence or logic tells you, you have a materialistic, naturalistic worldview, or you are unintelligent. And so you can't be someone who believes in intelligent design or a creator or creationism, which is one of the things. You can't believe in supernatural acts of God, sovereignty of God, um, you can't believe in a literal seven day creation, uh, literal seven days of creation. You can't believe in <clears throat> in a, uh, works of healing or divine mirror. Like you can't believe in mysticism, which is what like those are fairy tales. Those are, but yet those same people want to hold to a, uh, the scriptures that tell us that a man. Uh, there, there's this Jesus, which I say every week, Jesus is the greatest person in human history. He's not just a person. He's God in the flesh. Okay, step one, you believe in the supernatural power of God in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Immaculate conception, born of a virgin. Like that's the Apostles' Creed. 
Like those, those are, that's does not fit in a naturalistic materialistic worldview. So what people are suggesting is like, well, see, these things can't exist, but here's the reality. Most people, most people are atheist. Like, and there are people inside of the church who believe this stuff. They believe in virgin birth. They believe in, uh, the incarnation. They believe in the cross and the evidence surrounding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The overwhelming re- evidence beyond a reasonable doubt for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Case for Christ. There are devout atheists and scholars who went out to uh, C.S. Lewis, being a, a scholar who opposed Christianity uh, fables, but through looking at. Uh, uh, actual mythology, uh, and his friend uh, Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, says, "Hey, Lewis, don't you ever? Could you ever consider there might be a true myth? Maybe all one thing that all these other things are pointing to." And so we have all this logic and reason and evidence based around the resurrection, around uh, the life of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus, um, the virgin birth, and then we go, okay. We're fine with that, but if we're going to be scientific, we have to scrap, in, as Stephen Meyer, the scientist uh, and um, co-founder of the Discovery Institute, which I would highly recommend, he, he um, for, for the academic community, he, he moves away from the term creationism to intelligent design so that the arguments can be based in scientific evidence. So, and he puts it on the level of the theory of intelligent design versus the theory of Darwinian evolution. And so what I feel like is um, what the church has done is we, um, during COVID, no matter what new data would come out, no matter what evidence would come out, and some of those evidences were uh, suppressed. Now you're having conversations with, you know, the top podcast. Um, you know, we're close to the top podcast on Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Right there. Neck There's, and neck. We're neck and neck, uh, with this, with this other guy, you know, we'll call him Joe. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's his real name. I that's think that's just a some, synonym. Yeah. I mean, made up. <clears throat> I, that's his stage name. <laughs> and, uh, so he had Aaron Rodgers on the other day, uh, NFL MVP quarterback talking about all the different data and what he went through with the protocols with the NFL, no matter what evidence was out there. What they suggested was we're following the science, even though the evidence kept constantly changing, the science did not change. Now, Becca, science is what? Because science, what they're saying, here's the science, and what they meant was protocol. What they meant was behaviors. This is the science. Follow the science. Wear a mask, get a vaccine, stay socially distanced, don't go out of that. Like, and then evidence was suggesting that, oh, well, maybe some of these things aren't working. Maybe some people are still getting infected with COVID, although they've done all the things that the science told them to do. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what 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 I see the link for me and and let me sum up the link for me is I feel like the church dropped the fight of Darwinian evolution and they started embracing it saying that Darwinian evolution could be the method by which God created everything. Now there are some immense problems with that. And I want to kind of talk about, talk through some of those. Um, And then the church went, we don't want to be seen as unscientific. We don't want to be seen as anti the community. And so we just need to go along with whatever science. And what they meant by science is whatever government officials, whatever popularized Dr. Anthony Fauci, leader of the NIH, and uh, whatever protocols the CDC, whatever the World Health Organization was going to. They weren't talking about evidence. They were talking about um for lack of a better word, protocols, they were talking about recommendations, no matter what those were. So when they say science, as Anthony Fauci is now famous for saying, when you criticize 
me. You're not criticizing evidence. And that's what we were talking about this before we started recording. Like, what do we mean by science? What do we mean by the evidence? And what is up for critique? And, and so Anthony Fauci says, if you criticize me, you're criticizing the science. And so I am infallible. I cannot be criticized. And, um, and I think, so instead of the church decided, we're not going to criticize that. We're just going to go along. Um, we're not going to dig deeper than what's being told to us. And here's what I've learned over years of now thinking through Darwinian evolution, studying things in school about it, uh, studying on my own, reading immense book from really smart people um, that I'm not. I won't even pretend to regurgitate some of the stuff that, that's out there, but there's immense groups of people. John Lennox, the famous mathematician, uh, Stephen Meyer, uh, the PhD, Return of the God Hypothesis, Darwin's Doubt, um, um, Signature in the Cell, where he talks about um, the discovery of DNA and that being a real problem for Darwinian evolution. Tom Wolfe, the famous journalist who wrote a book called The Kingdom of Speech, and he talks about linguist inability to explain human language through evolutionary processes. And science all agrees that the highest form of intelligence is language, and yet we as believers have this... Um, one, this, this passage, this famous passage that John wrote, stealing a Greek word, using the word logos, which means the word. So we read, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then the word became flesh. This word is logos. So intelligence, language, in, and it mirrors Genesis, which says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then God said, let there be light. So he uses speech. He, in Hebrew, it's barad. He spoke into existence. And so then, until um, the discovery of DNA, the double helix, like there's no evidence of that. But now we have evidence of literally this language, this code, as um, Bill, uh, Bill Gates would say, it's like, like a computer, like that, as sophisticated of a computer code that could ever, like far more sophisticated than computer code. And so then what we know about languages and digits, so like when I write on my whiteboard, we have the title of the podcast on my whiteboard, Evolution, COVID, and the Science. Well, that is a digital um, uh, writing that takes E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N, uses that and puts it together in a sequence that we somehow can read and interpret. Now, if we just put that randomly, all those letters on the board, well, it doesn't communicate anything. And the idea of natural selection is you can just intertwine those digits in and out of that and randomly through process come to some type of intelligent language. Logic doesn't tell us that. Reason doesn't tell us that. Reason tells us that if, if there is language, then there's intelligence behind it. Well, even the, like the chromosome doesn't tell us that in science itself because you have it in a perfect order, but we would say there would be uh, congenital abnormalities when those chromosomes are in different order, bringing defects. It doesn't bring something good. Yeah, it brings something like not in its order yeah. to where it's like if we just <laughs> relied on the science that says you can snatch up any of this and put it in any order, then... Yeah then why do we look at those chromosome abnormalities as like those are a defect? Those are something that can cause yeah. great harm or even not survival of the baby. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. And um, I would have never thought to bring that into the podcast. And so that's why Becca's here. <laughs> and Big uh, words. I was just like, <laughs> those like, are big whoa. words. <laughs> Chromosomal abnormality. <laughs> I got to slow down to say that. Um so in, in that, like, there's all this evidence that actually now leading um, proponents of evolutionary theory are saying evo Darwinian's theory, Darwin's theory lacks in its ability to explain the creative power of the, the mechanisms for uh, change towards new species. Like, it, it, it lacks in its power to generate like in an, it, it, it lacks creative power mm -hmm. to generate new mechanisms for, I forget how, how they 
put the the last part of that. Um, but there's a convening of like, hey, this theory is lacking. There's literally like leading evolutionary biologists who are beginning to question it and like leave the theory entirely. I would suggest a um, a YouTube video of it's from the Hoover Institute and it's uh, um, Stephen Meyer and a couple other mathematicians and a evolutionary biologist and the Hoover Institute uh, interviews them and they talk, and one guy goes actually I <laughs> I wanted the theory I thought it was beautiful theory and uh, then I read Stephen Meyer's work and I realized the evidence caused me to change my mind now here's what's happened in the church there are whole organizations. Now I've talked about them before, like BioLogos, who are proponents, they're evolutionary creationists, who are taking a a now weakened theory and propagating it in the church. And I think some of the motivation is this, not wanting to seem unscientific, like we said, just like the church said, I don't we don't want to be unscientific or we don't want to be unloving with some of it with COVID. And I think some of that, the reason why we're so quick to do that and not ask questions is we just stopped asking questions about the real evidence of Darwinian evolution. It used to be a fight. The church used to put up a fight like, hey, we're not going to allow that. Like um, there's a famous, uh, you can watch Stephen Meyer testifying in front of the Texas State School Board about wanting to put the theory of intelligence design next to uh, the theory of Darwinian evolution and look at the strengths and weaknesses of it. Now, Dar uh, uh, like uh, Stephen Meyer is not in the Discovery Institute, is not suggesting that we just remove Darwinian evolution. It's kind of like when we talk about free speech, like let's get all the dumb theories out there in the open. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, like let's not, uh, you know, uh, like truth will stand on its own. So we're not afraid of having it out there. They're extremely terrified of having extremely intelligent people and concise um, and well-constructed arguments putting up next to it. And so, but here, here's the reality. Richard Dawkins says anyone who doesn't believe in evolution is either ignorant, stupid, or insane. And so we went, oh, well, I don't want to be called that. I, the church, the church is going to lose young people because they'll think we're ignorant, stupid, or insane. And so, uh, what we did is we stopped looking at the evidence instead of asking. And so, um, that's that's kind of the 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 real issue. And I think these things are like so. The bottom issue of what I want to talk about is like like really how do we go about in a way that we can ask questions. How do we look for evidence? Like, cause, uh, and, and Becca, Becca, maybe you can speak to some of your experiences of how, like, I mean, as a nurse, like protocols change. Asking questions sometimes can be seen as uh, fr frowned on, like, or like, this is what we're doing now, or this is, this is the, you know, this is the protocols one day we're doing, next day, now the pandemic's over, we do, you know, um, and so what's, what's been your experience through this, this whole thing? And especially as someone who like, I mean, you love science and you, you, you got into medicine because you want to help people. And, and, um, here's, uh, anyways, um, uh, what's, what's some of been some of your experience through what's, um, COVID and the science and like, um, what's kind of been. I think that it started out, you know, kind of when it hit the ground, there was a lot of just freaking out and not knowing what to expect. And I actually think the initial response of like, hey, let's pull back. Let's, you know, we what we, information we were getting from China is that it was like rampant and like videos of like people dying in the streets and all this kind of <clears throat> stuff. So it's like pulling back and saying, hey, let's try to slow down like the transmission rate, not because I think the misunderstanding was like, if we stay hidden in our homes for longer, it will somehow go away. Yeah. But once a virus hits, there's no making it go away. It will never, ever, ever, ever go away. And well, so being in the medical field, what was the initial purpose that you were told of like, Hey, let's stay inside as a 
first responder. Or it was like the two weeks, which we were told like, hey, the two week lockdown. And not a lot of people were too upset because the idea was to, as people were infected, we had enough equipment. People, yeah, yeah. Like we knew that people might need ventilators. We don't have a million of them. So it's like we wanted to be able to handle it's like flatten the curve is what they kept saying. And it doesn't, didn't mean that it made it obsolete. It meant that it made it rise in a way that us as a medical field could handle the influx, influx of, of patients. patients. Yeah. yeah. And so that is how it started. But I think at that point, having a whole society of people under your mandate, and then it just, it sort of morphed into something else completely i feel like staying staying in lockdown keeping kids out of school um completely isolating people not just who were well and like in their homes but isolating people who were sick i mean there's a huge correlation scientifically proven that people who are alone and have a really bad outlook on their like diagnoses and prognosis are less likely to survive and being alone and isolated. I know when I talk to even my own like parents, it's like, I've never really seen them scared of anything, but my mom's like, I'm not necessarily scared of COVID. I'm scared to be basically Mm. taken into a hospital. I mean, there's uh, some famous clips of um, Kim Iverson. She's a uh, kind of internet news personality. She was on the Hill. She then left the Hill because she had all of these segments on questioning the response to COVID. She's a gal from LA. Like um, she um, would have all these segments and then uh, the Hill was going to interview Anthony Fauci. And she thought, Oh, I get to ask questions. And they did not allow her to interview Anthony Fauci. And we were talking about this before um, we came on, like the difference between uh, science by critique. And by critique, I mean critiquing the evidence, like what, that we, what we call peer-reviewed evidence, by looking peer-reviewed and like, let's look at the hypotheses that's come from the scientific method. Hey, I got this hypothesis, let's do an experiment. Let's look at the conclusions from the experiments and let's draw our conclusions from that. And then does it change my hypothesis? Does it change my, my, does it confirm my hypothesis or does it, uh, does it not? And so, um, what we've done now is, is science by consensus and there can be some good in like, hey, there's a lot, an overwhelming agreement that this medicine works, this med- medicine, medical treatment. But when you have people that are on the same, and we were talking about the difference between like everyone just critiquing everything. I'm not talking about just, po- you know, comment. Let's start. You're like, not talking about like Instagram critique. Yeah, not, not Instagram <laughs> critique. I'm talking about uh, leaders of uh, like, doctors that have been censored from the Joe Rogan podcast who uh, invented the the RNA vaccine technology. Yeah. Uh, um, doctors like those doctors in, in Bakersfield who were treating that went viral and they're like, hey, we, we've done these studies or this. That gets completely removed off of... Um, off of YouTube or, you know, the critique that, um, Dr. Rand Paul, the Kentucky Senator, and I'm a little biased cause I am from Kentucky, mm-hmm. but all of him with Anthony Fauci going, Hey, you said this one day and you said something else the next mm-hmm. day and giving solid criticism. Um, l- like we do that when we interpret the scriptures, we call it textual criticism. We look at how do we critique the way in which this is canonized together. That's why we have many different versions of the Bible. We have thought for thought in the NIV, um, word for word in the ESV. But you're saying there's a little, there's even some, you brought up the other day when we were talking about. Yeah, word for word, phrase for phrase, taking both of those. This is textual criticism. They look at the ancient Hebrew text and there there are there's a debate about it there's a committee put together and it is well this word has this to it and and then they come to 
eventually that committee comes to through textual criticism comes to some type of consensus about the individual wording of how they would put together um, the scriptures. So in every field of study, it is under critique in order, and, and that's that's ultimately uh, why we trust in Christ is we feel like he's put been put to the test. Hebrews tells us that he's been put through every test, and he's been tempted in every way that we were not, and he has come out unscathed, and he is our great high priest. He's not only the priest, he's the spotless, blameless lamb, and that's why we can trust him. He's been put to the test under trial by fire. And so the problem is, is when we uh, censor, when we um, we suppress information, it's you're not allowing it to go through critique. We're not allowing it to go through um, the fire process that it takes to purify to come to some type of truth. And and yet um, we, um, you know, I, I feel like that's. That's the same thing that's happened as we go through Genesis. Like, I feel like these are this is a underlying problem with what we're experiencing in the church. And what I found is we can't talk about it. Like, we have to go to um, secular leading podcasts to hear Aaron Rodgers and Joe Rogan talk about what's happening. Like, how he was. Uh, did you guys watch that? Oh, it was phenomenal. And and I think even with this, I think of the word criticize criticism. Always now is viewed as yeah, that's a negative thing. It's it's bad to be to criticize someone. Yeah. Uh, whereas actually, this is a higher education term. That Absolutely. When you, when you present a paper, it gets criticized by your Absolutely. peers to help find the holes through it. I just read, uh, listened to. When I say read interchangeably. Audio guy. So in my drive across the country is an eighteen hour audio book by Stephen Meyer, uh, Cambridge PhD. Discovery Institute, let me say it again, write it down, look the guy up, return to the God hypothesis. He actually, in his book, uses chapters to respond to the criticism of his previous books. Wow. It is powerful. Yeah. Uh, to Dawkins' criticism, another guy, like people who have cr- who actually come out and criticize him, but know that there's, that, there's this one with, I think, Signature in the Cell, this leading uh, evolutionary biologist actually commends Meyer's work, and another um, evolutionary biologist comes out in like a, the Times and like just completely tries to put it to shred. And what happens is, is the other guy with the negative criticism didn't read the book. He just read. He he just took it from. Like, how often does that Isn't happen? That always the way. And then here's what he <laughs> does. He references. So so here here was the debate was. Um, Stephen Meyer, I'm going to butcher it, but Stephen Meyer's criticism of evolutionary theory has uh, has this theory of an RNA world can create DNA. So, so the idea, so RNA, and what the I even talked with Stephen Meyer about my my skepticism around the vaccine, and he talks he he has a friend at Stanford who was a, a part of the development of the vaccine. Uh, he was like, "This is a fantastic technology. This aren't because and p- the conspiracy theory of of it changes your DNA and stuff like that. Like whether or not you listening to this, and like I have no opinion on this. But, but the idea RNA is not it it. It doesn't can you can you can maybe help me with this, but it's not a replicating like it eventually goes away. Like it can't RNA the protein in RNA, uh, and I'm gonna butcher it, but but it's not like DNA. DNA stays with me. RNA does not, and RNA does not produce DNA. Is that okay? <laughs> I help mean, me. you're talking about now. My I knew when I got sucked into this room. Yeah. Like, he's gonna ask me something about my biology classes. Yeah, and yeah. Like, what is that? <laughs> so? Do you so here? Here's the here's the problem. So in Meyer's book, and so I want to butcher. I want to try to get into details. The theory is is that aren't like that the primordial soup that we all come from, and it was an RNA world. The problem is the, the the scientific data does not support we what we know about RNA, and so Meyer actually deep dives into the evidence of how that is impossible with what we know about RNA. This guy's critique of that is actually what you you know. Now the problem is is he didn't read 
Meyer's book and what how he dealt. He said he doesn't deal with, and here's what the guy does: he references Wikipedia on RNA. You should never reference. Now here's Wikipedia. what happens: then Wikipedia, it's actually he talks about it. It's like a, a um a like um what would you call it? Like a, like so. Here's what happens: the Wikipedia ar- article references him as the authority. So he points to Wikipedia and Wikipedia points, points back, back to him, him as Classic. the authority. So what we what really the issue that I find here is an appeal to authority, appeal to consensus. We all agree the authority say this is. We are the so what we do is we prop up authority figures and some of what we say is the consensus. So this guy and it, it was a fantastic, again, I'm butchering the whole thing. But the idea is, is this guy is um, suggesting that Meyer um, didn't do a good job of the evidence around RNA. And the other people who actually read it go, actually, he, actually, did, he did just that. <laughs> and clearly, by your critique, you didn't read yep. what he put. And then you referenced in a, ed, like, how many of us in school would like, they quickly tell you never use Wikipedia as a source. Yep. Ever yeah, as a primary source. Get, they're like, I'm not even going to grade this paper. You cited. It does not count as a source. Wikipedia and so what we've done is we've now popularized or propagated certain things as evidence that actually do not stand up to criticism as actual evidence. What we're saying as evidence is really popular opinion or consensus by a populace of certain groups of people. Absolutely. And that and and, and here here like so with 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 COVID, it's like it's whatever's popular around masks, around vaccines, or that and now that that pot, that's changing more evidence and maybe people's minds are beginning to change. And then all of a sudden the narrative changes or what, what we're saying it we're okay with. And so, uh, in evolution, it's, um, there's certain things, uh, that we've been talking about that there's, there's certain propagations of the fossil record. There are certain things, this link between, um, apes and uh, human beings, and they say, "Well, things like the astrophithocene, the where the movie Lucy comes from." Um, so they say that Lucy, this um, um, astrophithocene, is our closest, and uh, we we share an ancestor with the astrophithocene. And for many of you, that popular movie was Scarlett Johansson, where she's the evolved person who, I don't know if you saw that or not, but. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And you're like, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. So that's why. So I didn't even realize there it. is a statue in Michigan State, and I may be wrong, but so you can fact check all this, and we don't have a uh, young Jamie who, who looks everything up on Google, but Michigan State has the. Um, this reconstruction uh, from the original uh, fossils fi- found of the astrophithocene. And they put together this, this um, lifelike um, exhibit that shows what the astrophithocene would have looked like. And Lucy is upright. Lucy actually has human feet. Lucy has, I think they put, and my recent study on this, I, I didn't get this, but an opposable thumb. The problem is, is the, this skeletal structures that we found, we did not find hands. We did not find feet. And yet what's put on this ape like figure is walking upright. And then what we found is like the actual study of Lucy's hand, like new, I think I think they had some knuckles. They don't have the thumb. What they found of studying her knuckles was that she was probably a hand walker, like a an knuckle ape. walker. Yeah. yeah, knuckle walker. And so uh, then we don't even have feet, and so it suggests that she didn't walk upright. But yet, all of the things that you'll see on Lucy is that she actually walked upright. Um, other, you can see. Uh, we'll kind of. Uh, I think we can leak 
link stuff in the description on this podcast. Maybe. We should be able to. If not, we'll be posting through social media. Yeah, links and things like the that discovery that we instant, talk about. It, talk, and re, the real issue is like, is my evidence secondhand? What filter has this evidence been put through? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how many? And that was like with evolution, and I think that's really the problem. Is like we have like fragments. Like they're leading uh, people in uh, leading atheists, leading. Um, Evol- uh, proponents of evolution who um, are actually intellectually honest who say actually the fossil record is lacking like it's it's dismal the evidence that we actually have what we have is a theory what we have is a conclusion that we want people to arrive with and we will fabricate whatever we need to we will say whatever we need to to get people to believe what we want them to believe that's the biggest link that I see between and then we have to fight through that is really this religion of science that started with, in my opinion, this doctrine of a demon that is the theory of evolution, which is that you are more like a beast. You are more like an animal, not created in the image of God, not made with... Uh, intellect and wisdom and discernment and love and a spirit and uh, the ability to communicate and have language and music and art and create no 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 you're more like a beast you're you're more instinct you're more anger and 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 uh like even think about theologically the the uh the the times the Bible talks about us moving towards an animalistic, a beastly type behavior, right? Like um, even Revelation calling um, our enemy the the beast, this this dragon, the mark of the beast. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, it goes out of his mind, right? God curses him and he loses his mind because of his sin and uh, because of how he treated uh, the people of God, and he loses his mind, and he wanders in the wilderness like a beast for years. And like, so there's like the Bible is continually trying to show us that we're n- not like any other of the created order. We're different than the beasts of the field. We're different than there. We, we have this place in creation that is above he made us a little lower than the angels and above the end like there's this place where um we're different and unique and yet there's this theory this doctrine of a demon that's trying to find this link of how actually you're more like a beast you're more like an animal i kind of feel that the the big division in science i think it's kind of ridiculous that science now says if you are a person of faith that you cannot be a good scientist because I think our principle, our science principles have come from people who truly and passionately believed in God and they were able to kind of see what they did in science because they were looking for the principles in which God created this universe and God created them and they were able to pull that out and it was seen as true and it was able to take critique. It was able to stand against decades and centuries of people looking at it and judging it because that is a principle that God created in this universe and I think that that takes, I think it's the original sin problem. I think it's pride that Oh, to good. accept that you like to accept that you are of that set apart just below the angels but but above all the beasts that you are something special you also have to you have to be humbled by that you did not create that it was created in you and i feel that that there is a pride that has come over science that has said no i'm going to prove that i am not under god i am over god yeah. i will tear down anything I need to tear down to make it something that I made. Yeah. And I feel that that you, it, it becomes very dangerous. You start taking things apart and putting them back together in ways that prove your point. And then you protect it because it's mm. like you look at even, I think it's like under a microscope in the last couple of years with COVID, how much 
the scientific, and I'm using quotey fingers, sure. um, could not accept, could not handle critique, and anything that came at it, it was like misinformation, punching it down. Like everything was a narrative instead of actually the scientific method, which I think a lot of people of science were kind of crying out going, hey, if you just do this and actually go through the scientific method with everything, we wouldn't really have a problem. But the fact is you are not willing to to take in all of this evidence that is coming out about, you know, the sickness, the illness, masks, quarantine, vaccines, like all this kind of stuff. Different treatments like, and medicines. Yeah, and, it, it, because, and in, in I could get into more sure. of how that, like, had a lot of other motives and why they didn't get into it. But ultimately, the problem in science today is it desperately wants to be over God. And in order to do that, you come up with some, you sacrifice a lot to be the narrator of your own life, like of, of the origin of where we came from and, and to really like devalue how awesome we actually are. I mean, that's why I love science so much. I mean, that's why I loved anatomy and physiology and microbiology, because to me, if you see it through the lens of seeing the perspectives of God, like that, that Lennox can be a mathematician because it's a language of God. I mean, to really, I mean, I hated math and I still kind of hate math, but like, it's like the code of the universe. It's the, I mean, and the fact that he's given us the minds to see that, I mean, that is incredible. And yeah. you want me to think that, I mean, it's, it's just, just by happenstance. happenstance. It's just random. And that we can keep coming back to the same thing that we, that we erupted like the big bang. I'm like, yeah, when God spoke, probably a big bang. Yeah. Like it came like that, you know, which is the Bible has been saying there's a beginning for millennia. And science is just now yep. getting to the point where they've accepted that. And yet I find it like Einstein wanted to believe that the universe was eternal, which tells me like they had to have something. They wanted to remove an eternal God, so they made an eternal universe. And the Bible says that he's hidden eternity in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Eternity being like this is the idea of eternity, eternal. Like something in us says there is something eternal. And so they made the universe eternal. And it would remove them from the necessity of explaining its origins. They would they would just ignore it. It's always been here. We have an infinite... And it was easier to explain evolution when we believe that the universe was eternal because you have an infinite amount of time. But because we believe in a beginning, or science has now concluded that there was a beginning, well, now you have a definite amount of time. And so then the math now doesn't add up. Even so, mathematicians will say, even if you say the universe is 38 billion years old, you still don't have enough time probability. 100, you know, in the video we showed this past weekend of, of evolution with Stephen Meyer with uh, Prager U, there's still not been enough time for the probability for the math to work out. And so um, the Bible has said, hey, there's a beginning. And what I'm convinced of is as I think we can do better science, just the like the explosion of science was from people who had this worldview, as you were saying, that we'll actually, if we are humble about it, because the church has not been humble about it, they've made mistakes with it and how they've interpreted it. But if we're like all humble in searching for truth, and realize we're not the arbiters of truth. We are, we are, we are, we are fallible and we are seeking truth instead of saying, Hey, I don't know. Let's find out. Like what if humility for us as the church was like, and then when we did find out, we were willing to go, Hey, we made a mistake. Like Christians should be the ones who quickly hold us account. Like we should hold one another accountable to that and, and be okay with that and move forward with that. But what we found during COVID is our officials are fallible. And they don't like to be criticized and they don't like to be wrong. And so they just double down and then lie and cover up and go, well, no, I said that, you know, Fauci is famously saying masks didn't work and then masks do work and wear three masks and, and then saying, well, I said don't wear masks because I didn't want the medical community to run out. Well, well, that's a big deal. Then you lied. If masks actually worked, and they would have saved people's lives. You allowed people to potentially catch COVID and die. 
because you told them not to wear a mask if hypothetically they did actually work and in order to spare the medical so you were making a godlike decision of who lives and who dies and saying to criticize that is to criticize science the science well it's the same thing you said if you criticize me you criticize yeah. science i'm like whoa like i'm the embodiment of it it's like, no, science is not a person. And think about even that. Think about the demonic nature of that. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What a statement. And, and us saying that someone couldn't be a good teacher if that wasn't true, right? Like that's the famous ar argument that C.S. Lewis makes famous. He's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. And so he's literally, Jesus is saying, not I'm a truthful person, He's saying, I'm the embodiment of truth. And then Anthony Fauci comes out and says, like this new religion of science, he's saying, I'm actually deity in science. Like I am the science. I'm the embodiment. The same way Jesus says, I am the truth, Fauci says, I am the science. And, and yet we know him to be fallible. And there's video evidence of saying, hey, you're talking about um, uh, recently... Uh, Rand Paul showed Anthony Fauci a video of him in a Senate hearing mm -hmm. from 2004 talking about um, immune, uh, immunology. How would you say that? It's, it's the one talking about like once you, the yeah, best you, immunity of something is yes. to actually contract the disease and Inform, beat it yes. because that's what your immune, <clears throat> amazing immune system is yes. to do. designed yeah. to do. But now he's saying like it's a total turn of the head. Like, yeah, and so like you, there's there's evidence that hey, you're 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 not, and so we as as believers, here here here's the point: whether whether it's evolution, whether it's COVID, science is not opposed to God. No, God is the author of science. Absolutely. And he is a God of truth. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. And we can be good scientists because we search for truth with humility, with dignity, with love and respect for others. And as we discover, as he says, he's hidden, that the invisible qualities of God are hidden in creation. And as we observe creation, as we look around, we see God. Then God changes us. We don't change God. And so as we discover like evidence, we change our belief system. We change and mold. Be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the patterns are, patterns are po what's popular. The patterns of this world are what keeps you from being called ignorant, insane, or, or stupid. And so uh, my encouragement to you, but anyone listening to this, like, Probably a lot of you already agree, and this isn't new things for you. But here's my thing is as you talk to those who are skeptical, push towards and don't be slothful in your pursuit, like whether it's evolution, whether it's COVID or like, don't just prop, don't, don't make the same mistake that, that you're just propagating a narrative or sharing a story. Like, what is the evidence? Have you looked it up? Have you actually read the study? I don't know. Like, man, both of my, um, my stepdad and my dad had almost died of COVID in the hospital. And I had to argue, and I'm not even, like, I'm not going to say what medicines are out there. And it's not even the ones you think. If you're listening, this is probably a medicine that you think he shouldn't have had. <laughs> and yet, um, I fought for a certain medicine that literally in one dose, man, made a big difference. And, and it, they were on assisted oxygen. Their blood oxygen levels were like 78. And literally in one dose of this medicine, complete turnaround. And yet when I talked to the doctor about the World Health Organization studies on this particular medicine, and this is a medicine that the right doesn't like now, but they liked it at one time when, when Trump said it was good, then they liked it. But then now it's anyways. So, uh, so the politicizing of medicine. And yet when I asked the doctor like, Hey, about this study and I knew this, the doctor said to me, I, I actually haven't read the study. Like how many of us are out there like propagating stuff? How many doctors, how many people, how many, like they're just going along with the science, which is a popular pattern, a consensus, what's being told rather than actually what's the data, what's the evidence. And so if you're a doctor listening to this, if you're in the medical community, you're listening, like do your due diligence 
Like, and we should do that in every area. If you're, um, if you're a high school student, if you're like, ask a teacher a question. Okay, can, what is the evidence? Not just what the textbook says, not what's just printed there. Like, what's the evidence? What's, what's the actual fossils we found and which fossils are actually manufactured? What, what's been altered to the data? What, what's the study? What's the randomized? To, and then with wisdom and guidance, we prayerfully, humbly, as a community of, of God-gifted people, a diverse community of God-gifted people who have different skills and abilities and different expertise, man, let's make some conclusions that move us towards truth. Any final thoughts? I think I've I walked away. I've I've someone that I've never liked to be thought of as critical or criticize people, and this is this has even helped me kind of realize I should humbly be a very critical person when it comes to questioning the things in front of me. Inquisitive, uh, yeah. And, and critical and, is not yeah. bad. That is not a negative. Now it can very much be a negative thing, and you can present it in a bad way. Um, but well, I think a lot of criticism comes with an assertion. Right, like we we don't really. Jordan um, Jordan Peterson says one one of his rules for life is um, assume that the person person you're listening to knows something you don't. And Stephen Covey in his famous Seven Habits of Highly Effective People says, seek first to understand rather than be understood. And what we're describing in our cult when our social media clickbait culture. And we think that comments are actual criticism, like legitimate, like critique or a seeking of understanding or like critiquing the, the logic in an argument. Like what's the holes in this logic? Actually, you, you know, um, a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Right. So. The logic behind, like, for for instance, Anthony Fauci saying masks don't work, then saying masks do work, wear three masks, and then saying I'd said not to wear masks, not because the evidence changed or we had this study or something changed. It was that I didn't want the medical community to run out. Well, that's a lie. That So those, those opinions aren't based on actual science. It's based on... Um, that's based on... Um, so his critique pulling out of that, like, okay, well, that's a, there's a hole in this argument, right? Like critiquing that argument isn't me saying, well, masks do work or masks don't work, like taking an opinion, like just to evaluate that logic. It's like, that's not logic. That's, yeah. that's a lie. Or I don't, that doesn't seem reasonable to make those conclusions and assertions based on your interpretation of a supply chain. Like, the, okay, well, I can critique that without having any opinion of whether, ma like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. that's, I don't have to assert an opinion about whether masks work or not to know, oh, that doesn't seem like a, cons a, a coherent argument. And I think that's what, like, we need to begin to be better at in the church. Yeah. And some of it is reflected like the same way. We got to get better at our study of scripture. Not just like you find people who like are Christians because we've just developed this, this habit of, I ask like, well, did you, uh, you know, someone will tell me some belief they have or the Bible says, or, you know, like, especially with all the things happening in the world, they'll say, well, the book of Revelation is playing out and, or, or, but the, this is literally biblical times. This is playing out the way the Bible said. And a lot of times you'll go, hey, can you, can, you, can you show me where that's at? And what they mean is someone told me that, an authority, a pastor, someone I saw in a video. Someone, so we can't be guilty of the same thing, which is appealing to authority, appealing to some preacher, yeah. some theologian. Like we have to like every single week, that's what I'm encouraging people to do. Don't take what I say at baseball. Okay. 
look at what the scriptures actually say. So the same thing is true. Like the enemy has prophets, the enemy has preachers, propaganda. Like this is all a narrative and a story. And the enemy is trying to convince us to eat ourselves with lies, to fill our voids with, with imaginations and not like actually be diligent people who are in search of the truth. Like, I think that's the, that's the big takeaway I want. Like whether or not you can wrestle with evolution, COVID, whatever you can disagree with all this. My question is, where did you get that opinion from? Yeah. Did you read it? Did you look for yourself or did someone tell you? Cause ultimately that's the garden, right? That's where we're going to go where he says, did God really say, did God really say, um, Hey, it's been super fun. And, uh, Becca, you got anything else for us? Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think my final thoughts would just unleash a longer conversation. So <laughs> cover that next time. <laughs> Never. All right. Well, uh, this has been fun, and this has been Theology on Tap. Local craft teaching ready when we, we are. are. <laughs>